0: Team. It's time to go inside the front office of the athletics with the general manager of the A's, David Forst. Here now is the David Forst Show with Chris Townsend.
1: It's Friday. That means it's time for the General Manager Show with David Forrest here on Ace Cast Live. David, I want to say what a great strategy you and the ball club had yesterday. Cause a bunch of traffic on the Bay Bridge. Angels can't get over. So when they finally do get there, they're a little disheveled and Chris Bassett just mows them down.
2: I would really like to take credit for that, Chris. But <laughs> um, and, and look, it did, it did result in a W, which we will take. Um, it also ended up with like Otani DHing and still pitching against us. So I'm not sure we accomplished everything we were hoping to by setting that up on the bridge.
1: I, I mean, have you ever heard much? I mean, I, I can see it happening in New York. I think there's, you know, like Chicago, like it doesn't surprise me that, you know, the bus leaves and all of a sudden there's a major traffic and, and you're trying to deal with a bridge. I, have you ever heard of this no, happening? It's not-
2: it's not surprising. I can think of one or two other times where um, teams have been delayed. I mean, it's funny, you know, back in, you know, back in pre-pandemic times team, the team buses were leaving at like noon and one for a seven o'clock game. So they actually had some, some wiggle room now with the clubhouse not even opening until five hours prior to the game. Everything is pushed back and you kind of, you lose some of that, uh, that margin. So, um, yeah, it, it's a little surprising with all the teams staying in the city that it doesn't happen more. But it sounded like it was a perfect storm yesterday to uh, keep the Angels bus from getting here on time.
1: You know, I didn't even think about that. The fact that uh, the COVID rules don't allow you to show up as early as they normally would—that n- now that actually makes uh, a little more sense. How funny is it though? You probably had these people standing next to Shohei Ohtani on BART and they have no idea that they're standing next to a, a, a guy that has talent like we've never seen. He's like a once in a gen- generation player.
2: How how can you not know though? He's not a small guy. He's, no. he's, uh, he's not super inconsiderate. I'm a little disappointed in Bay Area Twitter that uh, we haven't seen any pictures of, of Shohei holding, uh, holding a handrail standing on uh on the Fremont line, but maybe they're out there somewhere. Who knows?
1: Last night, Chris Bassett was absolutely fabulous. A complete game shutout. The first of his career. And we're starting to notice a change in Chris where there's different arm angles, different release points. Uh, that slider that he recently developed he's getting so much control over it he had a couple strikeouts looking he it's very obvious right now and speak to this hitters are not seeing him well and his stuff is the best we've ever seen
2: there there are just too many weapons right now for hitters to be comfortable and and you know that that ultimately is what leads to to guys like chris kind of taking that leap a little bit and, and you you mentioned the slider <clears throat> excuse me he's always had that big slow curveball that he can drop in there for a strike and then uh, I think we saw it as late as the seventh and eighth inning last night he humps up to 96 um, but you know the pitch that stands out for me last night is uh, the two-seamer that he, he threw on the inside corner to Shohei for, for a called strike three locked him up um, when you have the ability to move the ball that direction and then go the other way with the breaking balls and, and then just flat out throw a four-seamer at the top of the zone at 96. I mean, he has and, and had last night all of his weapons, and that's that's how you end up with the first complete game in, in two years by our staff.
1: When you made the trade with the Yankees with Sonny Gray and James Caprellian was one of the guys coming over, what were your expectations and what, have you, and what had you seen – of James Cabralian, and what were the projections
2: Well we thought we were getting uh, you know a middle of the first round starting pitcher um, you know James had been drafted highly we'd seen him at UCLA obviously had already had injury issues but we had every reason to believe he you know that he was going to get over that rehab and you know and be the, the projected middle of the rotation guy that, that everybody saw in college and and you know we all know there've been more more bumps and obstacles along the way, and more rehab than, than James or anybody wanted. But um, but when we made that trade, uh, he was not he was not a small part of it.
1: Well, the thing that uh, watching him pitch in three straight games, and watching him get out of jams, and watching him attack the strike zone, we had him on the program, and. He talked about keeping his pitch count down. He talked about use, uh, utilizing that fastball inside the zone and utilizing the great defense behind him. I mean, the way he has thrown the ball, if he keeps throwing the ball like this, the only time he's ever going back to Vegas is for vacation.
2: <laughs> well, you, I mean, Bob said it the other day. He said, you know, you, you make your own opportunities here, and particularly when you're in a position like James where he, it's taken so long. And he's he had to fight through rehab and then, you know, ultimately on, only gets an opportunity because Jesus is, is injured and there's, you know, and there's a rotation spot that just happens to come open. Uh, when you come up in that spot and, and you pitch the way he does, you, you force everybody's hand to keep you there and, uh, and you keep pitching that way and you keep holding on to that opportunity.
1: Are you projecting that Jesus Lizardo, when he comes back, crosses, cross our fingers, knock on wood, that he'll start out in the bullpen?
2: I think we, we need to, to sit down with, with Bob and Emo and, and, you know, and check in with Jesus and figure that out right now. I think we, look, we want him back sooner rather than later, and we all know that the process of, of getting guys stretched out to start is a long one. So I, I think Bob mentioned publicly the other day that you know there's there's always an opportunity to stretch him out as we go if if he's here sooner than that. So I think we're keeping that option open, but uh, but that's something we're going to talk about today and tomorrow and try and figure out as soon as we can. Well, the
1: thing about it, David, that you know covering baseball all these years. You know, the middleman was always looked at as a failed starter, and he wasn't very good, and he just had to give you some innings if your starter got knocked out early. But now with pitchers going less and less innings, this guy that can come in in the fifth, sixth, seventh, and give you multiple innings, he just seems so valuable. Talk about the value of having a quality guy like that for the middle of the game with some high-leverage innings.
2: Yeah, I think you have to look at at the bullpen and the pitching staff as a whole a lot differently than than we once did, you know, five ten years ago. Um, and, and certainly with with a 13-man staff, with with starting pitchers, like you said, maybe maybe not going deep, uh, which is you know ironic to talk about on the eve of, of Bassett <laughs> pitching a complete game. But but yeah, the reality is is that you know five six innings is is more the norm, and, and you do have to. To bridge that gap to to the back end of the pen. Now, in, in the case of someone like Jesus, it's it's interesting to think about him, you know, in a couple different ways as as you know middle relief bridging that gap, but also potentially pitching at the back end if we choose to have him in the bullpen. Um, but he but but what it does more than anything is that it just sort of opens up opportunities for for the rest of the pen and and for Bob to be creative with how he uses guys anytime. You know, anytime you keep adding adding options in the bullpen, and we've we've seen it, um, we've seen it over the years with with the guys we've added. You know, as soon as you add a petite, or as soon as you add, um, you know, even bringing up a guy like Cam Bedrosian who can do a couple different things. So it's just important to to be flexible, not get locked into to the same roles out there, and give give Bob and Emo options every night.
1: You know, when I think of the two way player. I mean, wow. If a guy can really do it year in and year out, the flexibility that would give you with your roster. And, you know, Mark Kotze, I, I played against Kotze in college. And I got to tell you, he wore us out. I mean, he's the, yeah. he, he's arguably the greatest college baseball player of all time. I mean, the guy's hitting over 400. He'd go like four for five off you, David. Then he'd come in the ninth inning blowing 96-97, and it was ball game over. I do believe, and I've asked Mark, and he thinks he could have given it a shot. I, I do believe someone like Mark, Mark Kotze could have done something like this. But now that Shohei Otani's doing it, uh, do you think this will open the door for other – I don't think there's a lot of guys, but for maybe some guys.
2: It's interesting. Yeah. You, you know, we, we have been resistant to it for a long time or yeah. I mean, Kotz is, is unique. I think Brad Wilkerson was another guy around that time who was doing the same thing coming in to blow gas out of a pen. So it, it takes the right kind of person and, and potentially what Otani's doing maybe opens up your eyes to the possibility, but it's just, it's so hard. You saw the Rays try a little bit of it with Brendan McKay who, you know, who did both roles. In college, you know, pitched on Sunday, DH'd otherwise, and was really talented at both. It just, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And and um, God, I mean, you look at teams' injury lists around the game. It's hard to stay healthy doing one of those things, just being a pitcher, just being a position player. So um, it takes it takes a special talent. And and now has been a thing with, with Otani up until now is he hadn't been healthy for the Angels. I, I think most of us in the game knew he was capable of this when, when, when he was coming over, when there was, you know, this sort of bidding war and teams having to woo him. I think everybody sort of knew this was a once in a generation talent that was capable of this. And that's why everybody went out of their way to try and try and get him. And, and um, he's healthy now. And I think the angels have done a really good job and it's, it's pretty special. I know that spoke eloquently about uh, what it's like to, to face a guy like that and and then also see him go out and throw a hundred on the mound. So, uh, it's, it's pretty special to see.
1: I remember reading reports. Some scouts came back and said, yep, he's got a stuff, but I don't think the bat will play in major league baseball. What were they watching? (laughs)
2: They didn't, they didn't have the exit velo readings that they needed because he was hitting the ball just as hard in Japan. As, as he's doing now so it was it shouldn't have been shouldn't be a surprise if you saw the ball come off his bat uh, back in, in his Japanese League days that, uh, that he's capable of some of the rockets he's hitting out now.
1: Let's end on this for you personally to be back out on the road and scouting and seeing amateur baseball players and starting to get ready for the draft. And you, I'm pr- I bet you're seeing a lot of smiles, too, on these amateur kids as they're getting back to, to the sport they love. Just being back on the road, seeing baseball, getting ready for the draft, what has this meant to you?
2: It's been a fun week. I mean, I, I've always said this is one of, one of the best parts of the job is, is seeing, uh, seeing amateurs and, and seeing the kids that we draft and being able to follow them. And then, you know, when, when a Matt Olson or Matt Chapman gets to the big leagues to be able to say, like, yeah, I saw I saw Oli play in high school in Georgia. I saw Chapman play at Fullerton and we evaluated him. We did a good job and we we developed that guy all the way to the big leagues. That's sort of the, you know, the the whole process of this job. And and it's been fun. I, I'm I'm thrilled to be able to support our scouting staff and go out and see players, start that preparation for the draft, even though it's a, a month later this year than usual and uh, and to get out on the road and see some college and high school high school games it's it's been a fun week for me
1: well whether it's Billy Bean or Billy Owens or yourself and a lot of you guys in the end you're scouts at heart
2: <laughs> well you have to you have to like watching the game i mean what what are we doing if we're not if we're not out there watching baseball and 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 you mentioned Billy O so i, I will say no one compares to Billy O when it comes to hitting the road and, and being in games. I'm not sure he has seen Gilbert, Arizona since the end of March. I'm pretty sure he's been on the road for about 60 straight days watching, watching amateur games, so no one gets after it quite like Billy L.
1: Hey, a funny story about that. I mean, not only is he the king of Marriott points, but I was having a conversation with him and he said, it's weird. He didn't really know his neighbors. And once he got shut down and he was at home, he actually got to meet people in the neighborhood.
2: <laughs> <laughs> his, his life probably changed more than most when he had to be at home for a year. Cause uh, yeah, like you said, there's not a Marriott anywhere in the, uh, these 50 states that he hasn't hit.
1: Great stuff. As always be safe, safe travels. And we'll talk to you next week.
0: All right. Thanks Chris.